The Live with Squacky podcast is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver and Antland Productions. Welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Live with Squacky. I'm your host, Val Kelly, otherwise known as Squacky Voice. I'm so excited about this episode, guys. This is part two of my interview with Dan Leonard. I hope you enjoy it. What are some trends happening in the voiceover industry right now that actors should know about? Well, if they don't know about it, then they're living in a hole somewhere. One of the top issues, and this is something as an industry association, as president of Huovo, it's my responsibility to get this information out to everybody, especially to the people that hire us. The biggest challenge we face right now is the advent of artificial intelligence generated voices. There are companies that are like saying, oh, our technology is fabulous. We can totally imitate somebody, which if you know anything about this technology is nonsense. Maybe because I have a more trained ear. For the most part, I can tell if somebody is an AI voice that's being manipulated by a computer as opposed to a human being. A computer cannot emulate my brain. And the thousand choices I make with one particular word or the context of a sentence. So if meaning and emotion and all those things can't be programmed. It takes a long time for a computer to learn one person's particular way of doing certain things. And therefore, it is not cost effective to use an AI voice. Now, what's going to happen with AI voices? It's going to hasten the race to the bottom. Things that nobody cares about what they sound like, compliance videos and certain e-learning. People who are on Fiverr in some of these cheapo places, they're in big doo-doo because that's the stuff that AI is going to take which is good and bad. One, it's going to take away opportunity from some people who think that they should be in voiceover. But for the people who are really good, those people will stay as professionals and will be hired that way. But the problem is that a lot of producers start to think it's cheaper to do this. They're fooling themselves. We're still a good five, 10 years away from talking about what I was talking about with emotion and the ability for the human mind to manipulate a message within the, a nanosecond of their brain and make it sound a certain way, which is why they hire professionals to do that. Yeah. AI will work with announcements in a terminal, attention in the terminal. If someone comes to you and offers you a package, do not take it, you know, on short little announcements, it'll work. My wife listens to a lot of audiobooks, and sometimes she plays them out loud and I'm like, that is an AI voice that would put me to sleep after five minutes. Of course, she oh, uses wow. to put herself to sleep anyway. So <laughs> it's the perfect solution. It's going to be a problem in the audiobook business because I think there's probably a lot of publishers out there like, we got to get everything out since Gutenberg. So let's right. just program any voice to do this stuff. It doesn't work. An AI voice cannot create two characters in the middle of a sentence. It's still going yeah. to take Scott Brick and Simon Vance and some of these other great audiobook narrators to be able to emote that and make that work. It's still going to take a long time for a computer to learn somebody's voice. One of the interesting issues is that there are companies that are saying, oh, we care about voice actors. We're here to benefit them. We're going to license their voice. If they really cared about voice actors, all they would do is answering machines because they don't care. They're trying to make money and then reduce the element of humanity from that one particular person whose voice they're licensing. Will they make money off it? Yes. Will they destroy the lives of a lot of other people? Probably. So they don't really care about voice actors. 
So I have a bit of a problem with some of these companies. Again, yeah. is there a legitimate place for AI? As I said, in some of the lower quadrant stuff that is, the producers don't care if it's boring or not. Medical narration, good luck getting a computer to say ankylosing spondylitis without thinking. <laughs> How do they make that happen? They just program the computer? How does that work? It's a learning algorithm. It will listen okay. to voice. Take it down to a more basic thing. I was watching 60 Minutes the other day, and they had a thing about called deep fakes, where they can take someone's face. They've got all this technology with facial recognition and stuff. Yeah. And a computer can learn how somebody moves their eyes or whatever, but they're just copying the face and then just manipulating it to do certain things. Okay. And it still has to learn that person's way of doing things. But imitating the voice, they can't do it with AI voice. They have to use somebody imitating that person in order to do the deep fake, which to me says that I'm right about all the other stuff. A voice is far more individualistic. And there are so many more subtleties to somebody's voice than their face. It's very hard for a computer's learning algorithm to pick up everybody's intonation and breath patterns because it's not necessarily patterns. I mean, there are people who speak with a certain rhythm and, and that sort of thing. How does a computer know that when you come to a certain word or phrase that you have to perhaps be a little bit more subtle in how you do it? And I would approach that many different ways, depending on the copy. And a computer simply can't learn that. But they're saying it's getting better and better. But I don't see it happening before the time that you know I'm probably retired. <laughs> wow, that's so interesting. I don't really think I had a lot of knowledge about it. And so I'm sure there are a lot of other people that are listening that don't know all the details of how that works and everything. And so it is a concern that we should think about as voice actors, you know, that it could potentially be replacing at some point some of those jobs in the bus station and the train station and the airport and <laughs> who knows where else. But hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully we'll win over as voice actors and they'll get rid of it altogether. <laughs> I think it's unfortunately inevitable, but it may not be for another 10, 15 years till you won't be able to tell the difference, which raises all sorts of other ethical questions about someone saying something that perhaps they didn't actually say. That's a real problem. And that's an ethical thing. And that's one of the reasons that I find it very, very important to bring up to the general public and say, look, you want professional voices Use professional voices. Don't use a machine to do it. Yeah, exactly. So let's switch gears a tiny bit here. Well, actually a lot because we're going to go right into, are you a coffee drinker? <laughs> Hell yeah. Okay, good answer. <laughs> I have a Jura Capresso Swiss made cappuccino machine. Ooh, perfect. I have every morning. I mean, those things aren't cheap, but you pour beans in it, you pour water in it, you press a button and it makes amazing coffee. So. That's amazing. So That's, I, that's great. That's definitely a coffee drinker. What's your favorite coffee brand? Right now I'm using um, Don Francesco's Kona. Oh, okay. Old Bean. Yeah, maybe they can just get this on the West Coast. I don't know. But I've been using that for a long time and I really like that. And you switch from brand to brand and it's like, yeah, this one's kind of bitter and this one tastes moldy. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's never a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is moldy. Okay. Not good. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> I think my favorite one is Lavazza right now. They have some really nice espresso. And if you're in Europe, <laughs> that's what you get. When yeah, Lavazza is pretty good. Yeah, there's a new brand too that's called Drew Coffee, which is an LA-based small company. 
So you might be able to get it out there. They're not the only ones in LA. There's a lot of roasters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty good new ones. So I've tried them a few times. That's great. Great. Do you have a favorite travel destination? I got a bunch of them. My wife and I have done a lot of traveling over the years. We were just in France. We had a great time in there until she was in Florence visiting some friends after I left and went back home. And she ended up nine days in a Florentine quarantine with COVID. Oh, <laughs> oh, geez. But we had a great time in France. Yeah. Every place we go, we have a great time. So far, my favorite place of all the places I have been is Iceland. Oh, fascinating, fascinating people, interesting history, geologically amazing. It's a island. There's glaciers there, went inside a glacier, met some really fabulous people, just amazing scenery. The food was interesting. It's mostly lamb, of which they have an excessive amount. Oh, (laughs) these horses that are unique to Iceland that have several different gates. And the volcano, you know, we went to the volcano uh, two years ago. And of course, it was still erupting. But by the time we got to the top of the hill, look at it all I saw was a splash of red. And I'm like, well, we made it. But it was an interesting <laughs> hike. That volcano, at least that area, is erupting again. And oh, cool. that's fascinating. And Reykjavik is a beautiful city. It sort of looks like it was built by IKEA. <laughs> I've only been through the airport in Reykjavik. That doesn't even count as actually being to Iceland, but it was on my way to or from France. Icelandic Air has a magnificent lounge at the Keflavik Airport in Iceland. We had a great time there. Just, just It was a lot of fun, but we like going to Europe. We're going to be taking a trip to Morocco in October. And then on the way back, we're going to visit my good friend. Maybe you know Ramesh Matani, who lives in the Canary Islands. So we're going to go visit him and his wife. And then we're coming back in early November. Just in time for Mavo. Yay. <laughs> I'm going to be like, you know, home for three days and then I'm flying back to Washington to be at Mavo. So I'm looking forward to that too. Where in France did you guys go? I used to live in the south of France when I was in college. We took a Viking river cruise from Avignon oh. to Léon. And nice. we went to Arles and took a painting class to learn how Van Gogh painted there. Oh, that's great. There was wine. The food in France, of course, is fantastic. Amazing, yeah. And the scenery, all the Roman ruins all along the Rhone River. And Lyon was, you know, I had no idea what was in Lyon, but it had a lot of really cool stuff. It was the headquarters of the French resistance in World War II. Historically, it was fascinating. And then we got on the bullet train in Lyon and went to Paris. And I had never been to Paris. And I'd always heard that people said, Paris is amazing. Well, what is it about Paris? It's so amazing. Well, after three days there, I'm like, Oh, now I Oh, <laughs> all of that is why it's amazing. <laughs> all, all that they say about Paris is absolutely true. Yeah, the food is fantastic. We saw the worst opera ever written at the opera house there. But Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I've never been to it, but not to an opera. So yeah, it's no, such no, a beautiful we, building. Oh, it's gorgeous. You know, yeah. All painted dome at the top. We had a wonderful time in Paris, except that we got COVID somewhere along the way. And Oh, no. But I was home and sick and she was in Florence and sick. So it was ah. so, but as I keep telling her, well, now we have Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Did you guys go to any museums while you were in Paris? Oh, yes. We went to the Louvre, nice. which was absolutely fascinating to see some of the things that I was there three days before the guy smeared cake on the Mona Lisa. <gasps> <laughs> I think I posted a couple of pictures on Facebook of me in the Louvre and the 20 million other people that were. Yeah. 
And, you know, we went to Versailles, which was absolutely fascinating. I've always wanted to see Versailles. Beautiful. Yeah. You know, the, the palaces in Europe are just such a monument to excess and stupidity and excess. But it's fascinating to see how the top crust of the upper crust lived it uh, is. It's so fascinating in Versailles to see how much gold gilding there is because that was something with my French classes that I didn't really know before I researched it, what it was called. And for a long time, I really thought that everything was solid gold. That's ridiculous. But when you don't know, you don't know. So then when I researched it and I realized that this is such a special technique that they do, especially in France, the gold gilding and in Versailles, there's just so much of it. I mean, it's like you said, it's excessive, but it's really interesting to see how they lived back then. People that do the restoration of the stuff there are just top-notch world experts at it. And they do yeah. Amazing recreation work of some of the stuff that perhaps hasn't survived over the time, but they can reconstruct it, rebuild it to make it look like it did when it was there in the the late 1700s. What are some goals that you have for yourself to accomplish over the next few months? Promoting WOVO to the two sides that need to know about it. Certainly people need to join so they can be part of the benefits that we have as an organization. As I was saying, our website, voiceover.biz, the demo player, our conferences, we have online speakers. The pandemic forced us to do a lot of stuff online, but it allowed us to get people from all over the world to communicate with each other and uh, speak the common language of doing voiceover. And that was a lot of fun stuff. I'm going to be promoting that to, of course, people who should join. And of course, I'm trying to get my message out to people who hire voice talent, which is one of the reasons I'm doing podcasts and writing articles and getting our word out there about who we are and what we do. And that's my major goal right now. Voiceover, I have clientele. They keep sending me work, whether I want it or not. And you know, <laughs> get it. I've been doing this for so long. It's like people who are just starting out go, how do you get clients? It's like, well, it's not as easy as it used to be. You have to study. There's a lot you have to learn. It's important for us as an organization to get across to the entire world that voiceover is not an easy business. It's an entrepreneurial business. It's not show business. Yes, you have to be talented. Yes, you have to be a good actor. Yes, you have to be able to record properly. You have to be able to market yourself. And you have to know how to run a business by yourself until you can afford to hire other people to do it. And that's the big message that I want to get out to people. Voiceover is fun once you've established yourself. Otherwise, it's like anything else. You've got to crawl your way to the top. Let's face it. Not everybody gets there, but you've got to have the drive and desire and more than just, well, I can make funny voices to become a voice actor. The best people who are in voiceover are people who have been classically trained actors, People who are very well educated are culturally literate. Cultural literacy is very, very important to voiceover because you've got to know what you're talking about, or at least right. make it sound like you do. Right. <laughs> if you could spend the day with a celebrity, who would it be and why? And what would you talk about? The great thing about being here in LA is I get to meet these people. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I get to hang out with them. I've met some really amazing people just doing our show, VoiceOver Body Shop, if you're familiar with that. George Woodham and I, he's the engineer to the star, so I get to meet all these people. I get to meet Tom Kenny and Laurie Allen and Maurice LaMarche and Rob Paulson. I'd love to hang out with Rob Paulson. I had dinner with him once. Oh, Twice. that's cool. The top people are always fascinating to hang out with. They've got great stories. 
even if they got big egos, they're still interested in helping the people who are up and coming. And I've met so many of them, Carlos Alves Rocky and Bill Farmer and Joe Cipriano is a good friend of ours, top notch, top tier of voice actor and people who are up and coming. And I get to talk to them and interview them and see how did you start doing the exact same kind of stuff you asked me? Who would I like to hang out? I'd love to hang out with Tom Kenny more. Just a great guy. Just someone who's very personable. And I'd like to know more about how he does what he does. Plus, he's originally from Syracuse and I'm from Buffalo. So last time we talked, I'm like, oh, we're just up the throwaway from each other. You know, <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> funny. My husband went to college in Buffalo and I'm from Saratoga Springs originally. Yeah. Wow. Good. All right. Well, what would you say is the most valuable piece of advice you can offer to voice actors, whether they're just starting out or super pros? Know your superpower. I think many people are like, well, what can I do? Where can I start? They're starting out. Where can they uh, find their niche? I know an awful lot of people that came from other industries, You know, a lot of recovering podiatrists and IT people and, and chiropractors. And I was working with a lady yesterday who's a doctor. And I'm like, do you want to do voiceover? <laughs> I'm retiring. And I think I, I could do well at it. I said, well, your superpower is medical knowledge. You can discuss pharma stuff is like tremendous amounts of audio needs to be produced for the video and being able to say medical terms very, very quickly and without thinking about it and sounding knowledgeable is very, very important. I once worked with somebody and we were setting up his studio and he was just getting going. I was sitting in his office and I'm like, so what did you do? And he goes, well, I'm, when did you retire? Oh, a couple of years ago, but what'd you do? I was a priest. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> he married somebody, so clearly he wasn't a priest anymore. <laughs> you know, he had a great voice, you know, obviously a, a great public speaker. He's like, well, are you just studying to do commercial work? And he's like, well, yeah, so I'm, I'm working with a coach on that. And this coach had referred me to him. You want to get going. One, you probably have an MSW because you were a priest. You probably had to do social work. He goes, oh yeah, I have an MSW in Maryland. I used to be the chaplain at Arlington National Cemetery. Well, hey, you know, <laughs> there you go. So, you know, social work, that's got its own lingo. There's training stuff for that. It's all going online. There's a natural in for you. And that's just one thing. Plus, you were a priest. You know which diocese you worked for. You know the people who do all this religious material. There's your start. There's your network. That's where you start. You gain experience and you build your portfolio and you go from there. So that's what I usually suggest to people is find what your superpower is. What is it that you do best? Some people say, well, I want to retire from this business. I, you know, yeah, but you're not going to be practicing the business. You're just going to be telling people how to do it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Pretty simple if you ask me. <laughs> I, I think that the other thing that I would tell people is to not overthink all this stuff and not be intimidated by it all the stuff that's out there. There's lots of people teaching things. There's lots of very good coaches out there. I'd say be very careful about who you pick as a coach. Who are their students? Are they successful? Does this person teach you what they know and create you in their own image? Or do they understand and appreciate the individual you are? And what is it that's unique about you? that you bring to the party that gives you a competitive point of difference over other voice actors. I find that a lot of coaches don't do that. They did voiceover for a few years and like, well, I can teach it. Not exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, that's really great advice, Dan. Thank you. 
You're can you welcome. tell our listeners your website and social media handles so they can get in touch with you if they choose? Oh, sure. Well, let me let me give you a bunch of different websites. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll put them in the show notes. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, first off, uh, World Voices is very important. World-voices.org. Go in there and see all the things that we do and what we can offer you as a not-for-profit organization. I'm not making any money off this. There's a lot of people who start organizations say, oh, we're going to train you this and we're going to, it's all private stuff. They're aiming you towards their particular stuff that they're selling. I find that not necessarily on the up and up. We are a true not-for-profit. We are doing this for the benefit of the industry because again, a rising tide floats all boats. That's world-voices.org. My voiceover website is danleonard.com, L-E-N-A-R-D separates me from the rest of the Leonards. And if they need help with their home studio, I have homevoiceoverstudio.com, just to give you an idea how long I've been doing this, that I can <laughs> get that particular URL. And uh, you can find me there. I have a, uh, you know, prominently placed on my homepage at homevoiceoverstudio.com is my specimen collection cup and people can submit their audio to me and I will give them an analysis of what their audio sounds like and see if it sounds what it's supposed to sound like and how to achieve that. And of course, I consult with people and help them start off or fix their home studios and that sort of thing. Perfect. Like I said, I'll put all of that in the show notes so that everyone has the links to connect with you. And thanks again for agreeing to be on the show, Dan. It was so great chatting with you. And I look forward to seeing you in November at Mavo 2022. I am so looking forward to it, just getting out of LA for a little while. But also, (laughs) is there anything I like more than anything else? And that's communing with other voice actors. I've made lifelong friends and and I miss a lot of people. The pandemic was tough on a lot of us and there is some significant hug debt that has to be paid. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Hi, it's Val Kelly from Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver LLC. And I just wanted to take a minute to talk to you guys about the upcoming Mavo 2022 Get Inspired VoiceOver Conference. It's taking place on November 11th through 13th at the Westin Dulles Hotel in Herndon, Virginia. Our keynote speaker this year is the legendary Mark Grau, and he'll be joined by our awesome cast of super talented top-tier guest speakers. We have mastery sessions this year, which are three or four-hour sessions that are super specialized and limited to 12 attendees each. These are performance-based, and it's really just going to be absolutely fantastic. Check out the website at www.midatlanticvo.com for all the session details, the schedule, the descriptions. Go ahead and get signed up for your mastery sessions and your breakout sessions if you choose to add those on. And otherwise, grab your general admission ticket. And yeah, it's just going to be a great event. I will put all the links for all of these organizations in the show notes and you guys can go ahead and check those out. But I would absolutely love to see you there. I have put my heart and soul into planning this event and it would just absolutely make me the happiest girl in the world to see you all there. I hope you'll consider it. Again, check out the website at www.midatlanticvo.com and I'll see you guys soon. Live with Wacky was mixed and mastered by everybody's favorite voiceover tech, Uncle Roy Yokelson of Antland Productions. Live with Wacky is sponsored in part by Mid-Atlantic VoiceOver LLC and Antland Productions.